G'day guys, I'm Aaron Schultz with episode 117 of the Outback Mine podcast. Thank you so much for joining in once again, episode 117, a very, very special female guest on with me today. A beautiful lady by the name of Hanny Alston from Hobart in Tasmania, who I got to know pretty well over the last few years, and um, Hanny has got uh, an amazing story. Um, we're going to hear all about it today, but um, first and foremost, she's a, she's a really heart-based individual, but uh, secondly, she's uh, also a world champion runner. She won the uh, World Orienteering Championship in the mid-2000s, um, was the first, well, the first female Australian to ever win a gold medal in a world championship, so that's a, a fair accolade. Uh, since then, she's uh, she's done a number of different things. Run a marathon in two hours forty minutes, a half marathon an hour fifteen, uh, run ten k's in thirty four minutes, um, numerous other um, uh, achievements in the running uh, running circles. Uh, but primarily, uh, since then, Hanny's gone on to start a business up called Find Your Feet in Tasmania, which is. Uh, uh, an adventure running uh, or adventure store, outdoor adventure store, uh, but also she runs tours around the world or was running her tours around the world before the coronavirus, taking people to uh, unbelievable places to explore um, uh, different destinations through running and uh, was really successful with that. She also coaches people and does mentoring and so forth really, really well. Uh, and just, uh, I think if you uh, you resonate with what Hanny has to say, maybe reach out to her because she's got some uh, unbelievable skills to be able to help people uh, in many, many ways, whether that be athletically or just uh, overcoming challenges in life. We're going to talk a lot about self-doubt today and some of the self-doubt issues that, uh, that Hannah's experienced and, and how she may uh, help others overcome self-doubt to be able to uh, you know, reach goals and uh, achieve things that they want to achieve. It's uh, I know it's something that's really important to her to be able to help people improve and change their lives. So I'm sure you're going to enjoy this conversation. Just want to make a special mention to our partners, primary partners, Green Nutritionals who provide green organic superfoods. So if you're lacking something in your diet, I really encourage you to check out their website. Their products are purely organic, sourced from the best places around the world. Uh, their website is pure, sorry, pure greennutritionals.com.au. Also, we get uh, support from uh, Pure Life Bakery who provide uh, organic sprouted bread. So when the grains in our breads are sprouted, the digestion process in our body works a lot better. When that's happening, our mental health is a lot uh, lot clearer. So uh, I really encourage you to check out their website, purelifebakery.com.au. Their breads are available all around Australia. Also, MacForce Australia help us out. So MacForce are a company that provides labour uh, throughout Queensland and WA. Um, so if you're looking for work or you're looking to hire people, I really encourage you to check out their website. They're a really ethical company and uh, really look after their people. So please support them. MacForce, M-A-C-F-O-R-C-E.com.au. <coughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, hope you enjoy uh, Hanny and I uh, having this conversation. Please uh, feel free to share it with others and uh, hope you uh, enjoy the chat. Appreciate your feedback. Hanny Austin, welcome to the Outback Mind podcast. Aaron, it's a pleasure. It's great to be here. Yeah, no worries. I haven't heard your voice for a while, but um, <laughs> since then it's been uh, an interesting seven or eight months since you've had the little fella and uh, become a mother. Yeah, absolutely. It has just enriched my life in so many more ways than I could ever have expected. And that's coming from someone who was, um, well, for Graham and I, my husband and I, um, I speak for both of us, probably slow off the mark is the mm. idea of being parents. But yeah, I mean, you can't predict how rich your life becomes when the little one appears on the scene. Mm. And, and like coming from a self-confessed tomboy, you probably never thought you would have been a mother either. Yeah, look, I wasn't like not ever thought I would, but um, I didn't know if I did whether that maternal instinct would kick in, you know, and um, it was funny because I also, when I fell pregnant, I was dropped dead certain that I was going to have a girl yeah, and right. Graham was the same and it was funny because we were sitting on a couch watching a movie one night and the, um, our doctor called catching up on some paperwork and she's like so you know do you want to know the gender and we're both like oh yeah that'd be great and she's like any last guesses and I was like oh definitely a girl and then my husband Graham was like yeah a girl <laughs> and she's like 
yes, and you're both wrong. <laughs> and um, so we had a little boy, and um, and now actually it, it's just uh, perfect. I mean, girl would have been lovely, but um, but yeah. a little boy just totally sort of fits into our sense of. Um, tearing the world up and causing chaos. Everything happens for a reason. So there's going to yeah, be some, some pretty cool things ahead, I reckon. That's for sure. So well done. Well, we, we need to talk a bit about your journey. And um, mm-hmm. obviously, I know a bit about it, but we'll uh, we'll sort of go through things with, uh, with well, for the listeners in some detail here. So obviously, you know, you were um, uh, uh, a farm girl pretty much as a, as a youngster and sort of had an older brother there and you were pretty close and... Um, um, you had a pretty pretty unique upbringing in, uh, in 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 Tassie. Can you tell us a bit about like life, sort of where it evolved for you and what your first memories were, and sort of you know how things went from there? Because I think you got into swimming pretty heavily too, didn't you? Mm, absolutely, yeah. So um, yeah, I grew up on an organic hobby farm about half an hour south of Hobart. Just a mum and dad and my brother and I, and. Um, I guess it was like a super special upbringing, you know, where the, my parents just lent so hard into life. Like every single thing that went in our mouths was either grown on the property or made completely from scratch. And, um, yeah, my parents both worked full time. So from a pretty early age, I was shown, um, I guess, the sort of lie of the land in terms of dedicating yourself to the pursuit of excellence. Um, and... Yeah, at the same time, you know, it was a like because our parents were so busy, we were sort of left to fend for ourselves a lot and to entertain ourselves. So I also developed a very strong sense of independence. Um, mm-hmm. And I put all of that, I was thrown into the swimming pool from a pretty young age and, yeah, was um, had three dreams as a kid was to go to the Olympics um, to become a doctor and to work or sorry to live at the Australian Institute of Sport Mm. and I always thought that that would be in the sport of swimming but um yeah life took another turn and I ended up going down into the sport of orienteering thanks to sort of family and um uh, my family sort of introduced me to the sport and I sort of found this love affair and natural somewhat natural talent but also worked really hard for it and and sort of ended up pursuing that as my pathway Mm. I did end up going into med school but um also quickly worked out that that didn't wasn't a natural fit and life threw many twists and turns at me as you I'm sure you'll probably discuss in a moment and that blew me off course but you know I certainly strived for a while there to become a doctor yeah unreal isn't it and um uh yeah look look i know you you were able to develop a, a reasonably high level of self-discipline pretty early which is you know uncommon mm-hmm. for a young person you know we sort of male or female we get sort of thrown um all over the place but you you had a you know a, a real purpose when you were young and uh, i know you wanted to represent australia as a swimmer and all those sorts of things but could you remember yeah. remember what happened uh when you when you actually put on the running shoes and, and how how foreign that was for you I hated it. <laughs> yeah. like in, in honesty, I hated it. I I was so scared of cross country um, at the school cross country that for months leading up to cross country day, I would wake in the night, wake my parents at night saying I didn't want to go. Like I just really, really detested it. But um, and it, and it was actually I was I was afraid of the discomfort of it, which is really interesting. Having you know been thrown in the pool, and we we were flogged as kids to the point where mm. I'm now finding out that I've got some lasting physical changes to the bone structures in my back um, that they date back to you know overtraining and underfueling in that swimming environment, which was just so disciplined. Jeez. But yes, running was I was probably a bit of a natural talent at it. But in some ways, I, I think actually my, my successes in running came from just perseverance, leaning in, doing the work, committing myself to those dreams for years and years and years, you know, and I, I, I really started to pursue my running at the age of 15. I'm now 35, and so I probably gave a good 20 years of my life to that sport. Mm, unreal. And do you remember... Oh, your cardiovascular fitness would have been pretty good, I would have thought. Was that something mm. that was easy for you? It was just like getting the coordination of the running that was hard or the that self-doubt in the mind that was maybe pulling you the other way? It was definitely the self-doubt because um, both my brother 
and a smaller extent and I um, experienced bullying in the school environment just because of our upbringing. So we, mm. you know, we were farm boys like and girls. Like my brother would turn up to school in a Cooper hat, and you know, you can imagine what that's like at a private school in mm. central Hobart and so I think I had that in me and then in the swimming pool environment my nickname became either Thomas the Tank Engine because I was just so strongly built I was a sprint freestyler doing huge amounts of weights in the gym room from the age of 11 Jeez. but also it was um, Bush Pig which was mm. my nickname because of my upbringing and mm. you know boys would swim straight over the top of me and so when I went into the sport of athletics which is a lot more glitzy and you know you're running around in skimpy crop tops and bike shorts and stuff like I just had such poor body image and sense of self in that environment and I felt I constantly felt like I didn't belong and it wasn't it really wasn't until after winning world titles in the sport of orienteering and and then getting into the marathon under the guidance of my then coach Max Cherry who just had this dogged belief in me that I began to kind of uncover that self-belief runner but I don't know if I actually ever it ever completely left me even after you know achieving on the world stage in so many different running sports I still mm. I think I still carry that that I got there through hard work and perseverance not natural talent mm. Mm. isn't it amazing like that 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 will keep replaying you're not good enough you're uh you know you, you could be better at this or better at that you know you it's not a bad thing in some ways you have this like little bird in your shoulder kit that keeps pushing you but at the same time yeah the hardest thing that i've had to overcome is actually just to surrender and let go and, and be kind to myself and it's a daily battle you know and i reckon that yeah that's a skill that you um you're still learning but you know how good it would have been to learn that skill back then i agree i think like every um there's always a silver lining and i really i've always believed in this and um, I think the silver lining of like poor self-doubt was that um, it led me to really um, idolise humility mm. as a trait and in humility I think you find, like you say, surrender but also um, probably uncover that inner calling a lot quicker and I just I watched that time and time again in the elite sporting environment particularly in the athletics world where ego got in the way of perseverance mm. um so I think that was really interesting and then because I saw so much ego in that environment and, and the how it could tear you down if you weren't careful I began to kind of really fear ego and then did only came around later in my life that I realised that there are two forms of ego. Mm. There's um, ego, the outward expression, probably the one that can push people away and, and get in the way of dreams and goals. But it's very different to the self-ego, which is that inner dialogue you have with yourself, the one that drives you forward. And I think my challenges for a while came because I didn't know the difference and I knew I didn't want to have this outward expression of ego, but I couldn't shut this voice down inside me that was like, no, 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 finish it off to the T handle. Mm. Come on, you can do another set. Oh, you can totally like, you know, um, lean into this harder. And I, I was so scared that that of the expression of that. But then when I came to realise that that self-ego is a gift and it's something that if you can tame it, you can really utilise that as an energy force in your life that yeah, I began to kind of, I guess, move forward again in leaps and bounds. Does that make sense? I know it's a bit... Absolutely it does. I don't know, for sure. It's um, it's a, it's an art form. It's something we're not educated mm. about, you know, really at the end of the day. We, we're so educated to support the economy, aren't we? You know, it's all about being a doctor or being something and, and maybe achieving things that others expected, expected of us. Um, without mm. really tuning into uh, to what it is that really helps us be who we want to be or who who we feel we, mm. we, we 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 feel most comfortable being, I suppose. At the end of the day, there's so many people uh, that struggle with mental health issues that are trying to impress other people, you know, mm. uh, and and that that's been something that's that's ground into them uh, from from a young person, you know, and they haven't really f fulfilled who uh, who they really are, you know, to be able to break yeah. free of those. Um, those traps and challenges, I think, is really important. And, and, you know, we'll talk a bit more about what you're doing to help people with that later. But 
Mm. You, you you had some issues, obviously. Um, you know, as a young a young lady uh, with your dad, sort of having some challenges himself. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and we're really open about it as a family now. And as you know, I've written my memoir, which was incredibly challenging to spotlight these issues, knowing that, you know, my my father, bless him, is still well and happy on the planet now. But um, my father, yeah, attempted to take his life in a very dramatic way when I was 19. And um, it was in the face of my first year medical examinations and I'd also just had a full ankle reconstruction where the surgeon was pretty convinced that I'd probably never run again. Mm. And um, I was... I, what felt like to me was that I fell in this huge hole. And um, so, you know, I came face to face with mental health. I mean, I grew up with it. I realised, you know, in hindsight that the closed doors, the quiet whispers around adults that stopped when you walked into the room were, um, you know, were evidence of this. And, and then, you know, my brother, especially who suffered bullying in the playground and the effects that that had on him. Mm. Um, so I wasn't, like, new to a lot of mental health, but I was certainly new to it in the way that it just totally upended my life. Um, and I back into that medical environment where the solution was um, that we were being told was more pills and pharmaceutical yeah. products. Yeah that it just became this massive conflict of values in an, in an unaware state. I, you know, I didn't, I was too young probably to have a full awareness of what my values were at that time, but I could just feel that there was this huge collision course happening inside of me. And at the same time, um, I didn't have the solutions to know how to, I guess, get out of the hole. And so what I did was, I, I pursued doggedly my dream of becoming a world champion athlete in the mm. sport of orienteering. Um, what ended up transpiring and was probably one of the biggest lessons I've ever had in my life was that when the gold medal was eventually put around my neck seven months later was that I realised, like, oh, shit, <laughs> excuse language, yeah. but, like, I'm still Hanny and yeah. I still have all of the same challenges to go home to and just because I've succeeded doesn't change me as a human being. It yes. doesn't make me a better person. It doesn't rectify the, the feelings and emotions and discomforts that I had going on back home. And, and if anything, it made my life a whole lot harder. Yeah. Um, and when I returned back to Australia uh, after that gold medal in Denmark in both the junior and senior world titles, like the big thing that changed was now I, I hadn't thought ahead of myself and thought, well, you know, what if I do? What if I don't? What would be the next dream, the next step forward in my life? And so I came home. My parents were separated. The family farm had sold. I was in the thick of medical examinations. I was a world champion Mm. and I just had no idea where to move or how to move forwards. And, Mm. yeah, so life became really challenging for me for quite a while. And I'm not proud of the actions that transpired and, you know, fell down the holes of anorexia and overtraining and dropping out of med school and, like, there was lots that transpired. But I wouldn't change any of it now. Yeah. Oh, oh, look, look at what's happened from it. But, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. But really what I'm hearing is, you know, you're really unaligned and you had all these influences outside yourself that um, that, uh, that weren't really tuning into to your purpose um, back then. Mm. And, and yeah, and what you said about the risk of getting onto other people's journeys um, mm. was really true for me because after I won the world title in orienteering, people suddenly went, oh, mm. oh, this chick can run. Do you know what? You'd make an amazing Olympic marathon runner or mm. you'd be so good at this. And I just ended up because I didn't have a strong sense of self and I didn't have a support network any at all left around me was I just got buffeted by the winds of life and mm. and um, ended up pursuing things that, yeah, weren't my calling. But, again, I don't regret things. I don't think regret is a word in my vocabulary. I think I it just took a while to kind of learn from them, if that makes sense. Mm, definitely. Um, pardon me. I, I think, I think, Hanny, um, you know, it, it's interesting. Once you've achieved a goal, um, you, you put everything into it, you achieve a goal, and then, and then you think the world's just going to be automatically better for you, isn't it? Mm. Uh, don't you? But, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, I think what happens is you actually do realise that life's so much bigger than what your, what your focus is, you know. 
Mm. Um, I think yeah. the challenge with it is that we just put so much, like it starts in school mm. and, and sometimes even younger for some kids in their family environments, but we put so much emphasis on the result. And what, you know, for me has always transpired is that people, because they see you're a world champion or they see you're, you know, a businesswoman who's won awards, that they think you have the way, the solution, the, the, the elixir that you can teach others. And mm. yet for me, I was like, yep, I became a world champion. Yep. But I did it over training. Yep. Mm. And I dropped out of med school in the process. <laughs> yep. My family fell apart, you know, and like yeah. I began to feel like an imposter in my own life and, mm. um, almost like you were constantly acting in a play and the play kept moving forwards and you couldn't remember your lines. Like that's what it felt mm-hmm. like. And mm-hmm. it's taken like, you know, it was probably a good 10 years after that incident with my father that I really began to come up for air and, and actually begin to process what happened to me in that time. Mm-hmm. That's true. And uh, yeah, but it was a big thing because you, you probably masked a lot of it by, by doing your extracurricular activities, you know, that mm-hmm. you, were, you were chasing. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a bit about your dad. Like, like that's so common, um, you know, that, that, that episode with your dad. I think that was probably the mm-hmm. late, the late um, late 1990s, early 2000s. But, but mm-hmm. you know, Hanny, like, have you actually explored what, what the, the matter was with him at that time? What, what were the real, the real things that he was battling with? Um, I think like so many of us, he, he probably, um, he had a challenging upbringing, uh, that he probably never completely come to peace within his soul. Mm, and, mm. um, he always said that his dream had actually to go down more of a medical healing pathway in his life, but his I think father particularly was really keen for him to become a lawyer. So he mm. pursued law in the end. And so he, he already was not on his truthful pathway. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think he reached a point where he was feeling unfulfilled in work and so thought that the natural next step to kind of find fulfilment was to take a bigger role, which in in fairness fitted him was the ombudsman which is a very like um, a mediate peaceful mediator mm. role and that really suits my father who's the most peaceful person that you can meet and, and very good at that but mm. it came at a time you know where you know James and I were growing up we were in private school there were financial pressures he had a farm that he was managing um, still expecting to milk three cows every night and run an acre big vegetable garden to feed our family and Mm. you know a whole army as well if he wanted to and Mm. it was just too much you know and and I think he just didn't know how to communicate he he probably couldn't even communicate with himself Mm. what he needed in that moment but what probably he needed was just to be able to put a big pause button on and and refine his love of life and take the shoulds and pressures off him. And I speak, I speak, you know, in a parallel as I'm talking about this to my own life as well. And like, mm. you know, how I began to kind of find my feet again. But mm. um, I think it's just really hard when you're in the thick of it to to listen to your gut and not over intellectualize everything and and just keep saying to yourself, "It'll be fine. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. It'll be fine." Until you reach a point where you suddenly realize you're not fine. Um, and yeah, so that's how I interpret the situation, but it's still something that even though we try to speak openly about it, I think it's always hard to talk about, um, Mm. because, you know, it is painful, Mm. but I do think that growth, often the biggest growth you'll ever make does come out of a point of pain and struggle. Mm. Um, yeah. It's unreal, like, um... Those re- the replays of dad talking um, can happen, you know, time and time and time again, you know, uh, those, those things that are ingrained in us when we're young, um, you mm. know, and a lot of those expectations that his family had on him and society had on him weren't probably, you know, working to his alignment, as you said. And I believe that everyone comes to this world for a reason, you know, we've all got a, pur- mm. we've all got a purpose, you know, we've all, we've all got something within us which, um, which is... Uh, you know, a flame inside the, the heart, and if you can you can get that that flicker going and actually like um, 
come alive to, to what your true calling is and your life will be great. But if you pushed away from that, yeah. that's when imbalance really happens. And um, it doesn't matter whether you've come from a good family, you know, per se, being wealthy or a family that's, that's struggled. Uh, everyone's got something inside of, in, inside them which which helps them feel at ease, you know, and they, yeah. they're, they're, they're naturally... But uh, I think it's yeah. often like we, you know, we want... We live in a quick society and mm. we want quick solutions always. And um, one of my favourite sayings in life is a Shakespeare quote saying life is a giddy thing and I, I put it in my book as well and I use it all the time because I don't think life mm. can be simplified, to be honest, and I've done the work and mm. I've done a lot of work over the years on self and trying to ensure that I am following my my truth but you can get it one day and wake up the next and something shifted and I don't mm. think we can assume that that work is ever done mm. um and you know I yeah I I guess I, I want people to understand that if that discomfort that um sense of maybe not quite being on your path is still following you don't um don't put yourself down that you haven't found it because um, there's also a saying that I love where just because you love something once doesn't mean the love wasn't real. And if you if you want a great analogy of that, like one of my first ever heartthrobs was Celine Dion, you know, mm-hmm. and her music. And um, I can't say that that's true right now, but it doesn't mean that the love when I was 10 and listening to Celine Dion dancing around my bedroom wasn't, wasn't real love, you know, mm-hmm. but... We move on, we evolve, we grow. And it's interesting now becoming a mother how I really thought I'd done the work and I had addressed these, like, challenges of my my upbringing, my past, and yet now becoming a mother brings to light new ways of looking at that and challenges emotionally um, that I now have to redress to ensure that I'm not playing out patterns in you know, my life as a mother mm. um, that I'm not proud of. Does that make sense? So I think it isn't. Absolutely. It's just not an end destination. I don't think you ever find your feet. It's a, I think it's a journey. It's a pathway. Mm. But how lucky are we now that we can have these conversations? 30 or 40 years ago, women, women wouldn't have felt comfortable to talk about this sort of stuff. Yeah. Because back then I think life was about fitting into a certain box. Mm. You know, and even when I was picking my career, like no one told me that being a businesswoman was really an option. Like you went to uni and you followed an employed pathway. And Mm. I mean, I've only fell into business. I don't even see myself as a businesswoman, but, you know, haphazardly I've ended up doing what I'm doing. It was never planned. Mm. But now I think the generation coming through behind us of lucky, I think it is our generation that is caught between a rock and a hard place. Like our parents had that stereotypical, you'll be a doctor, lawyer, whatever it is, Mm. and you pursue that and, you know, stick with it even if you're not happy. And then the generation behind have this assumption that perhaps I don't even need to go to uni. Perhaps I can just... Do why? And our generation is kind of in the conflict zone in the middle, Mm. um, which is actually really challenging. But I think looking back, we'll end up being really proud of, like, helping to pave the way for our younger generation to really live a bit more truthfully to their calling. That's true. That's true. And, you know, it's interesting having a child now. There's so many people that I know that are actually, like, going to homeschooling. You know, yeah. be, be because yeah. they, they want their, their child to be who they are, not sort of programmed into something that um, that society expects of them, you know, and, uh, yeah. and that's sort of probably the next uh, step to be able to allow a person to evolve as, as, as they should, you know. And uh, That said, yeah, I, yeah. like, obviously ended up pursuing a teaching pathway for a period there and I've just renewed my teacher registration and I'm really mm. proud of how far the education system's come and that's coming from someone who was pretty jaded by it Mm. for a period there. Like I think there's a lot more of an understanding that, you know, um, we need to be more flexible and we need to create pathways for kids to find their own pathway and Mm. and that the schooling system is about uncovering your gifts, not, you know, ticking the boxes and reaching an end point when you come out the other end of it. So I'm like, yeah, I think it's an exciting space. I think it's one to watch and evolve. Yeah, it's interesting. I've I've had a chat to a few principals of schools and they've said 
that they're actually like, you know, they're much more open now than what they were. And, uh, you know, things, things have certainly changed. You know, that old, that old system of sitting behind a desk and um, all, the, all the expectations of the colonial model, which have gone on for generations, are slowly starting to change. So you will mm. see new, uh, new, new systems and new pathways coming in, uh, I believe, yeah. which, which will really help and, you know, inspire and empower young kids coming through. But I think one of the bigger challenges I see is not just about children, but it's about us. Mm. Um, you know, I I believe that a lot of the change we'll see in the world will actually come from, it certainly won't come from the political space, it'll probably come from the private sector, mm. which relies on having diverse voices around the table in the boardrooms where decisions are made. And this is something that I face time and time again is that, as a younger person or newer to that entrepreneurial journey, I don't have the resume of the 60-, 70-year-old who, you know, has worked <laughs> their way up that ladder, the corporate ladder. And so I can apply for things, um, put my hand up, say I'm willing, I'm here, I'll, I'll do it for even the experience and just continually get overlooked. And what's ending up happening is that, this generation with all the willingness in the world to begin to also rectify some of the challenges that have gone before us, particularly when you're looking at the way that, you know, the climate is going and the global space is going, continually get overlooked and you get the same voices at the table making the same decisions. And it's, as a younger person, I think that's where the frustrations are, are lying. And, and again, I think that's why our generation, as hard as it's going to be to... Um, to create change will be the ones that will pave the way for the next generation to sit at the table. And mm. and that's when we're going to see this sort of ramping up the speed of, like, positive global change. That's that's my belief. Mm, I, I agree. Like, like what's happening at the moment or happening over the last 18 months is probably a springboard for, for people starting to question and wake up in many ways and mm-hmm. be able to, uh, mm-hmm. you know, re-divert their thinking and, and this this uh, moment of time has been talking uh, spoken about for for you know hundreds of years, thousands of years is a real pivotal mm. time for for change. So um, mm-hmm. so you know watch this space. So I think there'll be some some major things that'll uh, that'll, that'll uh, take shape with regards to you know redirecting the course and the awareness of humanity to be able to be more mm-hmm. self aware and to be able to do things which um you know which are more aligned with their true true purpose. As I mentioned, I think that's um that that's that's key to to, to you know being a human I guess at the end of the day and, and enjoying the experience and you know yeah. I, I want to see honey with regards to you getting into business and that was there any like fear and self-doubt in that originally when you sort of started to get into that space um <laughs> not not initially because I never I never planned it as a business like mm-hmm. I came um, I'll call it groveling back to Tasmania <laughs> my tail between my legs, not in a healthy place myself, but knowing I kind of needed to effectively find my feet. And a lot of mm. people, you know, would say that, like, what's brought you back to Tasmania now? And I was like, oh, I just came home to find my feet. And mm. it was at a time when I just saw lots of people training for this uphill uh, running race down here called the Point to Pinnacle and yeah. they were mostly adults and plodding up the roads, often on their own, often being miserable often looking uncomfortable and I thought well, maybe I could bring these people together and um, I was a primary school teacher at the time so I was like bring them together and we could just teach them some running and I ended up using primary school running games in the parks of Hobart and mm. so I charged like five dollars a person per night and on the first night no one turned up <laughs> so I made like no money on the first <laughs> night and then the next night one lady turned up only because I begged and groveled her to come and I didn't have the heart to charge her so I made no money on the next night and um, it was literally I'd, I'd actually re-enrolled and gone back to university to paramedicine at the time and it was just meant to kind of pay for my rent really mm. and it was my mum at the time who said Pam I think find your feet's going to become your rock mm. and I was like no you know no <laughs> And then I got offered a job up at the Australian Institute of Sport working in athlete welfare in the lead-up to the London Olympic and Paralympic Games. And so, you know, I just literally thought I'd pushed Find Your Feet into the back closet and went, that was fun. Um, mm. But it followed me. Mm. And it was when I got to the Australian Institute of Sport that I just realised how valuable the information was that was trapped in that place. And yet 
it just never filtered down to the everyday person. Um, and I, by then, had been given this opportunity to coach 100-kilometre uh, um, athletes who were training for this huge race called the was then the North Face 100, now the Ultra Trail Australia in the Blue Mountains, and I was mm. given the opportunity to be the coaching partner for the event. And so I'd get these adults who'd be like, high up in Qantas, two-hour commute each way, two children under the age of two and a half, um, training for a 100-kilometre race when the furthest they'd ever run was 20 kilometres. And mm. I was giving the challenge to get them ready. And it just made me realise, like, just because they couldn't run as fast as those people at the AIS and just because, you know, life hadn't given them a different turn, they weren't able to access that information. And it was that that pushed me into... Um, I guess, leaning into Find Your Feet. And, it, again, it was never meant to be a business. Mm. Um, and it wasn't until I was nominated for the Telstra um, Young Businesswoman of the Year and then ended up winning winning the award, um, having now a retail store in Iowa, that I did have this massive imposter moment of, like, I am not a businesswoman. Mm, mm. <laughs> I remember going up to get my award and being told I had to give a speech and I didn't know what to say because I just, I kept saying, I'm not a businesswoman. I'm not driven by money, you know, mm. and that's what being in business is about. And it, it took a long while to kind of come to realise that um, being in business doesn't necessarily mean about writing financial in fact we don't have a financial plan or a marketing plan or an operations plan and i'm now running you know two retail stores or two a company coaching you know it, mm. it, i still don't because i'm driven by purpose yep. um and i think it's by allowing myself to just realize that that is my way um making sure that i surround myself with people who can help navigate the ins and outs of the financial world when i need to that I've been able to push the self-doubt aside and really focus on purpose. And like I said to you just before we came on the call, the we're now turning away from this concept of business as in making profit to what are we going to do with this? How can we put this back into society and into the planet so that we can wake up when we're grey and old and be proud of, yeah. uh, of doing our bit because... We're not in it for the money and never will be. Mm. Yeah. That's uh, beautifully said, isn't it? And uh, I just think, yeah, you're right. We, 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 we've become attached to money and, uh, and that attachment has caused suffering. But you, you know what it's like when, you are, when you're in a race and you let go, then the, the, your feet just seem to get quicker because you feel free, you know. Uh, mm. And it's, it's the same with life. If you can feel free and not attached to having to pay back money or having to do something for mm. a reason if you're doing it because it's coming from a place of joy then i think uh then that's when everything takes care of itself would you agree yeah definitely i mean there's two rules that sit beautifully alongside that comment are and that i totally live by one is um the law of reciprocity has always been one of my biggest motivators um that you know effectively if i do good i believe you will do good back or pass it forward and so as even as an athlete I was very always very 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 aware of the volunteer hours that go into um, an athlete's journey Mm. and so I think that was one of the things that drove me into coaching was this strong calling to give back and pass Mm. forward Mm. Um, the other thing though that I also have come to believe in is um how imp- and, it, and it came in actually as a, as a lesson very early on when I was doing Find Your Feet and I wasn't in a healthy place still. I was still under the influence of my friend anorexia and overtraining and um, mm. someone pulled me aside, a builder of all things, a male builder, and he said to me, Han, it doesn't matter how beautiful the gift is you're trying to give us if you're not giving it back to yourself. Mm. And, I mean, I guess that's the law of reciprocity in action mm. <laughs> on a small scale. But um, it made me – it really made me pull my head out. It was like that's so damn true. I can't ask these people to lean in and um, and own their space and be the healthiest, best versions of themselves if I'm not willing to do the same. Mm. And um, it's 
the thing that allows me to fight those demons in my head when they re-rear themselves because I think once you've been down that anorexic line and or like type A personality where you just doggedly pursue things to your own detriment, that doesn't completely leave you but it's definitely been the gift that's been given to me that can help pull me back from those spaces quickly. Mm, unbelievable. Do you remember that person who that was? I do, and I'm still very close to him. And actually, interestingly, he left the building space and pursued a spirit, more spiritual, holistic pathway, kind of very similar to John's right. story to yourself. So, right, there um, you go. It, yeah. <laughs> so he knew back then, really, that's what it was, but he had he made that decision then or was he still in the building space? No, he um, he's mostly left it when he is in it. He's... Um, he's in it for higher purpose Mm. so yeah i think it was also a gift to him um Mm. and i've seen that lots in in the early adopters of find your feet but also in the community that we've built around us and um you know from day one and no people we now have a database community of nearly forty thousand people and that's Mm. why i say i feel like now having been in business since 2009 in my own funny way um Mm. it really is time to be asking the question what if and i think it's the question that often doesn't get asked i think a lot of people they ask the how questions like how are we going to do it how are we going to fund it or they ask the what question what are we going to do and or and or or they ask the why question like why am i in business why do i do this why do i love running but not many people will go high enough and go, but what if I do mm. and what if I don't? Mm. And I think it's in that space that you find the real power and the real self and your real pathway. If, you, if you're not willing to go there, you can often get so bogged down in the day-to-day grind that you're already in. Um, so, yeah, I, that has been a gift to understand that. Mm. Do you think that's what... Oh, if you if you think about it, like 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 the the modern the modern rules of society tries to put you into that uh, unaligned space, so you can mm-hmm. go to the bottle shop, so you can take pills, so you can you know, self medicate in many ways. Um, but if you this is a real skill, Hanny, you know, to be able to have to be the the fulcrum in a seesaw, you know, to be able to say, well, if it goes this way, this is what's going to happen. If it goes that way, it's this is what's going to happen. This is where what you're doing yeah. with co- with coaching can actually really help people understand that, you know, because the self-doubt when you're going to really what you're aligned with and that that's your true calling, certainly, um, you know, the, the, the doubt overpowers the safety, you know, the safety of, yeah. uh, of the breadcrumbs which society expects, but also those breadcrumbs lead to, um, I suppose, consequences in some ways and uh, we're never mm. going to reach our, our true alignment and, I was lucky a few years ago. I went and interviewed a lot of old men about about this sort of stuff, and you know, not not many of them actually like live their their purpose uh, till the end of their lives. You know, they actually wish they had have done things differently or whatever. You know, to be able to bring that forward for people, I think, is a real gift. Yeah, absolutely. I think that. I mean, I mean that there's so much like, um, what do I say? Like, uh, selfishly. Mm helping other people is a way of helping yourself yeah Um, yeah and it's it's like we often see things in people that we aren't seeing but need to see in ourselves so you can see that as a negative like a person makes me angry because when they do that i feel angry well the reason you're seeing that and it's making you feel angry is you're actually doing that in yourself and you and it's me so you won't you'll be blind to the things that you don't have issues within yourself so when you work with people in a healing space and in a life coaching space or business coaching space that you you get this incredible gift of insight into self Mm. um but that shouldn't be obviously why you do it or what drives you i i just um i'm driven by this love of like trying to help people uncover that journey of finding their feet Mm. um but it, it's just so hard. We, you know, we just, like I say, we just live in this juxtaposition at the moment of like the old way where it was like get on one pathway and pursue that doggedly. But mm. we're also living in this world of Dr. Google, Mr. Fix-It, yes. where, you know, you get a glimmer of discomfort, a glimmer of pain, a glimmer of a blister when you went for a run and you're instantly on, on Dr. Google trying to find the solution. And mm. so often the solution isn't something that simple. And 
it will require you to um, find to find that solution for yourself. Um, I know what I did, which was, you know, a lot of introspective work and journaling and ultimately writing and then it ended up being a book. Mm. Um, I did a lot of talking. I did a lot of work with people. I did a lot of your yin yoga. That was, for me, life-changing. I um, began to change the way I played and made it more playful and less goal-driven. Mm. And in that, I was able to begin to find new lease on life. But that's not going to be the solution for my neighbour or the person down the street or in the business up the road. Like, sadly, it will um, – it's, it's an individual journey. But one thing I would say is, one, create space. Mm. Um, and two – Pursue what makes your toes tingle, even if that's, like, the smallest return, like, thing that you return to. Like, when I was a kid, I loved Lego, Mm. you know. So dig out a Lego kit and just sit in the lounge room after dinner one night and just build a piece of Lego. And it's Mm. amazing when you return or find those things that you love as small as that gift is, how that's the first step towards this domino effect, this catalyzation of, like, refining your purpose and your pathway. Mm-hmm. That's my belief. Mm-hmm. Um, it's true. It's, uh, it's, 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 you, you are out of your mind, aren't you? You are out of all yeah. these uh, pathways that have been created for you. But if you get back to that sense of f- grounding, that's what it is. It's a sense yeah. of grounding, you know, to be able to yeah. do something which which brings you a heart-centred joy, I believe. Yeah. It doesn't matter what and it I'd is. And I'd love yeah. to yeah. say that that for everyone is yin yoga every morning or evening or getting out in nature and going for a run or sleeping in a tent. Like, I'd love mm. to say it is that because I absolutely believe in the gift that that's given me. But mm. the thing is, and I was listening to a, um, a podcast with Stephen Hawking, I hope I got that right, who mm. wrote Drawdown, the book. Yeah, right. Um, and he, he said his only regret with that book was that he listed the 100 solutions by way of most important to least important. Mm. And he said the reason why I have such a problem with it is because if number one doesn't work for you or spark your interest or have relevance or is doable, then I've lost you at the first step. Mm. He said where you should start is with what, makes you toast tingle what sparks you and lights you up because mm. if you do that one thing and that energizes your system you're then going to lean in for a second thing and a third thing and a fourth thing and then suddenly the ball is going to be rolling mm. and we're all going to be beginning to kind of move together and i think that it's really true with that concept of self-discovery and getting back to your your core and your purpose is like you have to start with the thing that lights you up and if that is, like I said, pulling out your Lego kit or the violin that you haven't played for, like, years and years and years and just, like, hacking away at it, then that is what you should do. And it mm. might be that yoga eventually does come to play, mm. but not not right at the beginning. Mm. And I don't think we can force that. I think as, as humans that hope to facilitate this journey, that's all we can do is facilitate that initial spark. Mm. That's true. And... Uh... Certainly, it's about finding those things, those tools that make you feel calm, isn't it? And uh, and and you know, the Lego is something that you you do that you you feel uh, feel a nice flow state with. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, once you've got that awareness, then then you think, well, what else is there? You know, it's not about trying something that may not align with you. It's something that I believe we've all got that within us. Something that that we actually like feel really connected with, and that can that can mm-hmm. really be the uh, the the, the shift that we need, uh, I think, to be able to, to make some, some fundamental change. You know, I'm, I'm sort of doing a bit of coaching work with a guy in a business and, um, uh, you know, his goal between this week and next week is to go for a walk twice a week, you know, uh, because he's mm. been so dominated by his job for the last 25 years, he's lost connection with himself, you know. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And can I also say that for those people who work in this space or who who want to help people, that my experience has been 99.999% of the people that I've worked with never need to be pushed. Mm. Um, 
they don't come for coaching, for support, for help, for love, for guidance out of a fear of being lazy. Um, that if it outwardly appears as laziness, it's because they're stuck. Mm. And I think naturally the human spirit wants to lean in, wants to chase dreams, wants to, to be their own hero, but it's life that's got in the way. So I think if we want to help people, we need to take a big step back and be like, what's preventing them from taking that first small step forwards? Um, and and that's, that's where the question lies. I think if we can help someone, and it's not us answer it, but help someone to answer that question, then we have... But probably indefinitely helps them. Mm, certainly, open the heart, and that, that that gives you compassion to be able to um, get the compassion back. I guess at the same time. But Stephen Hawking, um, you know, wrote a book called uh, Power Versus Force, and you know, if you can help people step into their power rather than forcing them, um, you know, to mm-hmm. do something that they may not want to do, then that that can force against you obviously uh you know and um mm-hmm. yeah to be able to do like you said there is is such a tremendous gift to be able to help people unpack you know their own their own journey and to be able to discover what it is within themselves which is you know their real alignment and you know that that's our birthright isn't it at the end of the day to be mm-hmm. able to, to be living in our purpose and you know honey um yeah go ahead I was just going to say, use the word discover, and it's thrown around a lot, um, so please, no criticism intended. But I would urge people to replace that with rediscover. And mm. this is like now as a mum speaking, but watching little Nicholas discover his world and himself, I think that um, what sparks us is naturally, innately, often in us, mm. and yet life buries it especially as we get into the adult worlds of shoulds Mm. and so i think if we can just change that language so that it's more opening and welcoming for people to rediscover rediscover what sparks you it's already there it's just waiting for you to rediscover it and Mm. so sometimes you have to rewind right to the beginning to kind of remember what it was you know i've got a girlfriend for example who um had lost her pathway but growing up with her she loved frogs Mm. loved them and she'd forgotten that. And it's been amazing that what the thing that has, like, begun to light her fire was that she moved to a place where she could hear the frogs calling yeah, at night. And it just changed. It shifted things for her mm. and um, and began to help her find her pathway again. So, mm. yeah, it's I, I'd like that rediscover word to come to the foreground. Mm. It's amazing, isn't it? And all these little things show up. I was staying in a motel in Rockhampton the other night and there was a frog outside the window there, and that brought back memories <laughs> as well. So, uh, <laughs> it's, um, but yeah, these, these things are appearing for us all the time. Once we're sort of uh, you know able to reconnect with them, it's amazing how the how the change can can happen within us. And you know what you're doing, like with find your feet and and, and rewilding people, is really getting them back to, mm-hmm. to feeling who they are again. I guess at the end of the yeah. day, you know, and and that's that's exactly what this lady with the frogs has done. I guess, isn't it? She's reconnected with nature. And I know that's something that you're, mm. really, really, you're really passionate about that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I definitely think nature is just a natural healer. And I think um, because I actually think it's predominantly the feminine spirit of nature that mm. um, helps to just calm us down rather than that sort of um, masculine, like, set goals and overcome nature mm. that can often be so degrading. And it's not... It's again. It's not like trying to stereotype or point fingers. We all have the masculine and feminine energies within us in different mm-hmm. quantities. But yeah, and this is also speaking from someone that is so had and has been so black and white. I grew up in a very very black and white thinking. And when I first started on this pathway, someone said to me, you know, out of ten, like, how would you? rate the importance of spirituality and Mm. i mean i just looked at him and thought he was joking i was like spirituality all i could think of was god and churches and i've you know had a a, you know now a very long journey to work out what spirituality means for me but i i do believe it's just to expanding um expanding uh sense of opportunity and um realizing that there's so much more to the world than we can see and mm. nature i think is such a healing learning space for that 
agree. But but see, Annie, you, you know that we're we're being denatured in society consistently. If we want to renature, we've got to be out amongst it. And you've just got to look at every other creature. They're they're doing what they're meant to do. Their their, their jobs mm-hmm. here are you know to 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 fly and to gather food, or they're meant to be you know swimming in the ocean or whatever. They're just doing what what they're naturally um, you know. Uh, set out to do whereas humans are working against that consistently you know and I know if if I want to de-escalate I can be out in nature for you know half an hour an hour or however long it takes to get out of the mind and then you just, you realize that you're, you're one you know you're all you're all part of it again and you see life in everything don't you you see beauty in a tree a, um, you know an animal whatever it may be if um, if you're actually like really present and coherent with it then uh, mm-hmm. you'll find um, by doing those things regularly that can really help um, you know reconnect with yourself and and help your mental well-being as well absolutely and even last night my little baby had night terrors which she's just started recently mm. and nothing I did inside would console it not even putting him on my breast mm. <laughs> you know normally that would work yeah. so I grabbed him and I just walked outside onto the deck and it was an instant calming effect mm. and i stood out there for about five minutes and we just least like i'm blessed i live surrounded by nature and we just listened to the birds and the frogs and mm. the winds and and then i stepped inside and it was just like back into it so i'd step back outside and it'd be like blissed out again i'd step back inside and it went on for like half an hour and then eventually 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 his system calmed down enough that when i went inside you know he was ready to kind of go back to bed and fall asleep again. It was fascinating. Mm. It was just a really, really, really interesting exercise in how calming nature is. And it's not it, – it's different for everyone. Some people it's visual. Some people it's an energy. Some people it's the sound. Some people it's the feeling of it. But, you know, it is – I just think it's just so important and so much of society, sadly, is just so removed from that. Agree. Big, big lesson there is, you know, our kids really in tune with their senses, aren't they? And uh, mm-hmm. you know, he's he's able to sense, uh, you know, the natural natural environment. He's obviously being so inside. There might be something in the temperature which is which is unnatural to him. Uh, you know, probably got a wood heater there, which is beautiful. But you know, mm-hmm. you get him back to that sense of uh, balance again, and and all of a sudden the nervous system you know settles, and and he's unable to use the mind like you and I. But the senses are very heightened and. I always mm. sort of talk about on this podcast, we, we, we get really driven into the thinking and the judgment, the comparison and the criticism, uh, you know, after we're sort of seven or eight, you know, that, that childlike uh, wonder and behaviour and that innate knowing and the sensitive, uh, the sensitive nature that we have, um, you know, sort of seems to um, diminish a little bit because we're sort of too, too uh, governed by our thoughts. And, um, you know, you, you've got a great uh, opportunity to be able to learn from Nicholas now because he can show you <laughs> so many things about um, you know connection and, and all uh, all the things that we we innately know as humans we actually become disconnected from at the end of the day mm-hmm. yeah yeah I, I feel like I've been given a gift literally mm. and mm. I'm gonna make the most of every moment of that she says boldly mm. yeah <laughs> That's it. absolutely and um, how can people get hold of you if they want to uh, like check out your work check out your books um, and maybe, you know, get some support. I know you've got a couple of websites. What are they again? Yeah, so, I mean, my personal one where you can personally reach me and, and read more about my books, my blog, my podcast as well, which is temporarily on pause, but hopefully will be picked up again, is www.hannyalston.com.au. Yeah. Um, my my work site is findyourfeet.com.au, and Probably in that, the, the project I'm most excited to share with the community is something that I launched in COVID called Wilder Trails, which you can also access from the Find Your Feet and my website. Um, we're basically beginning to put together what we think are the most beautiful routes for walking and running on in Tasmania and to do so in a way where it almost can be a goal like um, to go and do something with like a reward at the end, which are these beautifully designed badges that we've mm. created. It sounds very whimsical, but the proceeds from the sale of all the badges goes into nature conservation and social enterprises here in Tasmania at the moment with the dream that will expand this nationally. So right. for those people who sort of feel like they need some mojo, but, you know, don't want to sign up to a race, don't know what goal to set, want to get fit, want to go playful, this could be like a really beautiful way to kind of ignite that. So 
it's the start of a bigger dream, but like it's it's a great place and it's something I'm really proud of with my work. So if you want to check that out, it's wildertrails.com.au that you can get there from all my websites and my cool. site. I haven't, I wasn't aware of that, but I'll definitely check it out. But that that's a great idea, you know. Like, yeah, mm. how many of you people have gone and done something? But you know, like there's no no need for recognition. But if you've actually got you know something to say, yeah, I've achieved this, and that can help you springboard you onto other challenges, which I think are. You know, part of our journey as humans, we, we need to sort of have challenges for our growth and, um, you know, that's where that's where change really does happen, I guess, at the end of the day, when you are sort of you know, doing something that puts you in a little bit of discomfort sometimes can actually yeah. be a really, really good thing for your physical and mental health as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yep. Thank you, Aaron. No worries, Han. <laughs> Thank you very much. And, yeah, I really encourage anyone listening to to reach out to you um, and if you'd like to reach out to me uh, just email me at support.backmind.com.au guys also if you want to um, reach out to Hanny uh, she's not taking any uh, coaching clients at the moment but uh, definitely uh, able to say hello and uh, and connect with her um, when she's able to um, to get back into coaching but um, yeah certainly uh, check out her information what she's done and what she's uh, what she's done, but also what she does. She's done, done a lot in, in her life, that's for sure, with regards to her athletic pursuits and her business pursuits. But um, she's got such a higher calling and a higher purpose to give back to humanity, which is uh, going to be awesome and the best is yet to come. Don't worry. So I uh, really uh, hope you enjoyed the conversation. Appreciate your feedback uh, and uh, please share with others. Cheers.